Okay, you're hearing that song. I think you probably recognize it from Emery's album, I'm Only a Man, but something's kind of different about it. Yes, it's a new recording. It's an updated recording. Does it sound better? You'll have to go check it out, what the original is. And uh, go watch the video of this song. We made it last week. It's on emerymusic.com, along with... The pre-order for the vinyl release of um, Only a Man updated version. Reva did a great job of making that pre-order page. It looks very beautiful. Thank you, Reva. And the music's turning out beautiful, so we're excited about that. Pre-order is up now. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Also, it's BC Club free trial month still. Oh, and, and so many people are joining. It's now, going crazy. This is why I'm excited. I couldn't believe because I. So if you're in the BC Club, I do a weekly Friday email to the club. That's it's called the Goods, and it's just fun stuff. And uh, I was like, whoa, there's like hundreds or a hundred and something people mm-hmm. just in one week. I was like, holy cow. So I'm excited to see this week how many more people join. It's going to be really fun. There's lots of people joining the BC Club trying this free month out. So uh, I think they're going to stay. They will. Just from my email alone. They, if, if Toby lives and dies now by the open rate of the emails he composes. Oh, my God, do I. <laughs> if I see that open rate, of high, it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's pretty 13%, good. 13%. I think I'll be having a good day, he says, when he writes the emails. If somebody else try to write one, he probably only get 11% open rate. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of nerd am I now? I, you're right. I really do care about the open rate of my emails. <laughs> That's not a, that's kind of not nerdy though. That's kind of the opposite of nerdy. Um, it's like it's more like uh, you're taking a nerdy thing and putting it back into jock territory of just like yeah, you're probably you right. you know what I mean. You're not really Look thinking at my huge open rate. Yeah, you, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you're not really embracing analytics there. It's not really a Big nerdy ass thing. Open it's rate just over a here. typical hierarchy, you know, dominance type of thing. You're converting it to. <laughs> That's big funny. open rate energy. I'm just walking around with big open rate energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Funny. Today's show is sponsored by the makers of my favorite electric toothbrush, Quip. Good habits are what matter most for your dental care. So, so go to getquip.com slash badchristian and get your first refill pack for free. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're rolling into the show. We'll have Devin in a little bit here. Uh, Toby, yeah. last night... Uh, I had an experience I haven't had in a long time. A long time. I actually I got actually scared. Like, you know, the, when you feel <laughs> scared? You remember when yeah. you were younger and even yes. through teenage years and stuff, you could be in a house by yourself or whatever and actually get scared? That I, yeah. It's weird because I haven't, I realized last night I haven't had that feeling in a long time that, you know, the viscerally scared of physically. Right. And uh, right. I was down with Josh Head. We were moving our practice space from one place to this other place, kind of downtown. And I got done with that. And it was about 8 o'clock at night, so I went to McDonald's. There's a McDonald's downtown Seattle that, that I like down by the Space Needle. And so I went down there, and I was like, you know, I'm out. It's 8.30 at night. Sun's still out. I'm going to just... There's, it's like dead, like Seattle's dead, you know? Like, yeah, it's like, it's, there's usually huge traffic at that time, and it's just nobody right. out. And I'm like, man, it's a summer calm afternoon on a weeknight, and there's just nobody around. Um, I hadn't even been, That's and I haven't, and when I'm right. out in Seattle now, I feel like I'm visiting a city I used to live in or something. It's super oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I was like, wow, I'm gonna, Ugh. I'm just gonna embrace this a little bit. And I drove, I'm just gonna drive through downtown and just see. Like, I haven't even really been downtown much in months. So I'm just gonna drive down there. So I started driving downtown and I wasn't, I was eating my McDonald's patties and driving and just listening to podcasts and just, you know, 
I was out away from the kids. Right. And then I got I I got down to Third Avenue and I kind of got started downtown. And I just I mean, it looks a little bit like Back to the Future too, like Biff's Town down there. Oh no! Like way. it's a it's it's it's. I got scared. I started. It's it, creepy. Yeah, it's kind of abandoned, and uh, you know, there's a lot of boarded oh. up stuff, and it look and this it's a lot. It's bad. Like I felt like I took a wrong turn in Detroit or something. And I and oh my and uh, and then I got I, put, I turned on the wrong one way and I was like okay I got to turn around I backed up and turned around and went the other way because I was in a bus lane or something but I got kind of disoriented for a second it was like a weird experience and then um, I kept stopping at red lights and feeling like wait a minute is this is this even sa- is this actually even safe I never crossed my mind that it wasn't right. safe and I was thinking and there's different times there's protesters that block the freeway I was thinking you know those videos where. So a car, you know, a car. Like I make mistakes all the time in public where I do something dumb, like right, like people think I'm doing something obnoxious, but I'm not even trying. I'm just oblivious or something. So I get in a lot of weird yeah. trouble in public anyway. Um, but I was thinking I could easily make a mistake, and then some group just surround my car and they think I'm a bad guy, like they do. You know, like they'll right. Like if I, I don't know what it was, but I started feeling real self conscious. And so uh, I stopped at all these red lights, and I couldn't get out. And I kept thinking, these people are looking at me. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get my car surrounded or something. Drug out of my car. Well, I, would, I would be actually scared. Just, I mean, everybody's losing their job. Nobody's money. Why wouldn't they carjack you? Yeah, I, mean, I know. That's what I'm saying. I was like, wait a minute. They're just I, trying I, to survive. Right. Yeah. I was like, or, right, or so, I'm just gonna be a victim of crime. I'm just driving down right. here in, in in my black SUV, right. looking because with a dumb no look one else on my is. face because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, you stand out like a sore thumb because yeah, there's nobody exactly. else anywhere. Yeah. And I made eye contact with a couple people. I thought, wait a minute, is that you know, holy shit. <laughs> you know, but it sounds so crazy. And then I got up to another thing, and a motorcycle gang came by, and I was pulled oh up to a red light, and I was pulled up a little far <laughs> because I, I. Yeah, it was just like you know, a bunch of motorcycles <laughs> came, and then the at the very end, the last motorcycle guy stopped, kind of in front of my car, and I don't oh know God. why. I don't know why, but at that point, I got really nervous because the light turned oh green. He God. was still in front of my car, and then he tried to flag his buddy. I don't know if it was a, I don't know if he, you know, I don't know if he was mad at me or was trying to tell them, "Hey, this fool," or not. I have no idea, right. but the, that crossed my mind that that could be what. What is his motorcycle got? Anyway, I was terrified. My heart was beating. I started driving fast. <laughs> I was like, I'll, but if I drive fast, I'm like to so make some other mistake. Night yeah. The movie. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know. It was super weird. And so I, then I was like driving, thinking, what if I hear that motorcycle gang turn around and come back and follow me home or whatever? You know, I was like, and I live two Working and a half hide. miles. Yeah, I was thinking, should I take a t- turn here or something? I don't know. You yeah, know don't but, lead them to your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just have, a, uh, you know, I live like two and a half miles from downtown. I was just thinking, wow. I mean, I, you know, and it, yeah. you don't get the sense that you don't get the same sense that if something went wrong it would it would be okay anymore like it doesn't feel right. the same and i'm right. not being crazy i'm being i mean it's silly i've been a little silly but i felt silly but it isn't really the same out there no, and, and then because that we've hit this the thing that's happened is we've gone from this time to where okay it's locked down that's official you're moving through this time of course that's crazy and then oh we're gonna open yeah. back up it's gonna slowly get better to the stagnation of that phase now is actually where I'm pretty concerned because now it's not going to improve a lot for a while. Like, right. you know, we've hit a plateau or a slight decline. So now it's like, okay, well, whatever is going to, now it's time for that some of that badness right. to kind of incubate over time and slowly dilapidate. Like the, the we're in the marathon part of this now, the sprint part's over. Yeah. And so now some yeah. things are going to continually run down in some areas of towns and things are going to really right. change over the next about one year. 
because it's not going to massively change now. Right. So we're in some new phase there. But anyway, I drove home. I was like, my heart, I was like, I haven't been exhilarated in a fear way like that in a wow. long time. And it's probably just because I've been seeing those videos on, you know, it's yeah. in my head that those you, uh, strangers, people in cars can get attacked. And then all of a sudden, here I am having some Well, that's why I experience. feel so bad for everybody because, I mean, I really am angry at the media because all you see is people doing bad stuff and then you are scared. And then those thoughts are in your head, yeah, and the media is they, they they have no responsibility. Like that that couple, I'm not saying they're good people. The people in Seattle, uh, St. Louis, with the one, the husband had like a yeah, machine yeah, gun or yeah, assault rifle, she had a, a gun. I was like, those people have seen for a you know several weeks that something bad oh, could yeah. happen to you, and the media wants to show you the writing, which that is the smallest little bit, the smashing the windows. That's the smallest little thing. I really do believe that. Most people are protesting peacefully. They want real change. That's the majority, it, but that's boring. You want to see the building on fire, the woman uh, smashing a brick through a car windshield or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's what everybody's all hyped up, and then they're held, all of a sudden you're holding your gun. Pointing at people and you're like, "What? They're crazy. They're awful." But yeah. we are. We 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 are. I mean, collectively, it feels like our minds are just not here right now. I don't know what day it is. I, I can't believe. I mean, I promise you, I can't believe it's July. And that's what? real weird. Real weird. It's July. Yeah. What are we talking about? I mean, I I, I feel like everything's just been on pause, but time just keeps on moving, and, and everything's just weird. crazy. It, yeah, and everything feels. And you're right. It it has me worried. Like you saw. COVID just now, like COVID is bad, the sickness, of course, yeah. but now you're going to, you're seeing the economic problem. Yeah. I mean, yeah. towns are ghost towns. And when is that coming back? I mean, I just heard today people were, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes got that big contract and some people were saying, well, man, he should have waited. He could have got even more. Maybe he might could have got an extra 10 million a year or, you know, a few more millions here and there. But everybody's like, wait a minute. Do you know, why do you think the economy is going to be? Yeah, here? Wait, set, my ass. He, oh, you're he, crazy. Yeah, he <laughs> I mean, he's set for 12 years now. No matter what yeah, happens, yeah, he's got guaranteed money, money and all this stuff. I mean, Dak Prescott's waiting, and what if? I mean, there there might not be any fans at any football game right. this year. Yeah, I would take you know how much money, money that right is. <laughs> I mean, and you, and so all the billionaire owners are going to go. Nope, you're that's coming out of your paycheck too. So, oh yeah, for sure. But you know, the it's, it's kind of weird because it's uh the society overall like. Do you know how you're more prepared to do tough things now than you were six months ago? Like you're a little leaner, meaner, tougher, prepared to act because that's yeah, that's and so you you act a little bit more like a rougher character now. Like you're you know you're prepared to do a tougher thing if, if need be to defend like the, like the family right. with whatever the guns in St. Louis like right. they weren't very prepared and th- i mean that's that is hilarious i mean i love laughing at that situation but i understand from their point of view very much like of course you have guns and then by the time people come to your house that's what they're for but right. they didn't i mean I, I was thinking about that last night i was thinking if i had a gun i i mean i'm not pre- wouldn't could not be prepared to use it i can't believe it like th- like the thought that you might actually have to use it you know, you should never pull out a gun unless you're really prepared to use it, which is why that situation yeah. seems weird. I can't wait, though, until you and Bridge are standing outside your front door with, with a two gun. guns and it's all over the national media. <laughs> but but think about this. If I'm thinking more about using a gun right now, that it, like think about it. Right. If everybody's taking one step more to that level, that doesn't just lower me and you. It takes the people right. that already were borderline criminals and bad people right. that are already bad, and they've also gone down a level of necessity, too. 
Do you know what I mean? And there's a tipping right. point there. Like if you think about the eighties in New York and crime, we had some really bad. Cri- oh, sorry, Siri. We had uh, we had bit bad crime in some places at some times in the past, and we've been able to clean right. it up. But it, you know, with just a, a economic downturn and a, and lack of leadership, I mean, those things can just and the pressure that's on everybody, especially low income people in tough situations. I mean, it can tip pretty quick. I mean, oh, I you know, there's going to be there uh, will be more general yeah. robberies and carjackings just for economic ne- necessity. You just have like, to. You're like, it's not to, the bad uh, people I mean, are back. It's not about evil or good. It's just I'm prepared to do something firmer, and I bet that's true all the way down the damn chain. I know. Uh, Wall Street Journal says record numbers of Americans try to buy guns. I think since the pandemic, it's been like 7.8 million people have applied for gun licenses. Yeah, I believe that. I believe. I that. mean that. I mean, like that's just. That's 7.8 million new gun owners. How many of them you think are anti-gun? I bet a lot of them were. About (laughs) half. I bet a lot. Maybe all. They didn't have it. They didn't have it till now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's just people that didn't have it. They're like, well, you know what? (laughs) I know me. I know me. I ain't going to do nothing crazy with it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gun owners are just like like, uh, well-to-do Christian abortions. Yep, like those. Like, right. I, I'm yep. totally against it, except for when it's my it, teenage my daughter. Yeah, she right. was going to college, next and I'll semester, remain against just, it. Yeah, <laughs> from after yeah. this too. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right about that. Oh boy! All right. Well, we got a neat episode today, don't we? Oh yeah, yeah. We got Devin. Neat, this is uh, yeah. the episode we're gonna do. Is uh, again, we got the pre-order from the Only a Man thing. So that's what we're doing. We're just buckling down, working on things that we can do and control that are creative and something we've always wanted to do is. Uh, get a do-over, kind of a re-release, an update of of I'm Only a Man. It's a, it's a pretty important record to us because it's like, one, we have, we th- trace as a failure, but also it's a lot of people's favorite record and some of our musical favorite record, but it didn't sell as well. And there's just a bunch to that. I thought it'd be great to talk to Devin about it. So we did that on Are You Listening? Uh, you and I talk enough, so I thought it'd be interesting to talk more to Devin. Mm-hmm. And we did it on Are You Listening last week, which is our Sunday night show, and thought it would be good here to let people hear from Devin a little bit more and that some of that Emory story and what the experience is like and talk about the re-recording and the vinyl thing that we've got going on and stuff like that. So uh looks like you got a piece of business in front of you, and we'll drop in here with Devin and talk, I do. Yeah, talk I tried more to, about that. I tried to be on that with you and Devin, but I had bad uh, computer. And so I think it's, I mean, just like downtown Seattle, my computer's the same way. Mm-hmm. It's not doing that great. But i tell you what is great. During this time, during these trying times, during this thing in the South, that's what we call it. You know this stuff that's going on. All that we, stuff. We going, going, all I, this, I ain't claiming no COVID. Everything that's going I ain't on claiming is what it. it's called. Yeah. Well, one one good thing is about the day in this day and age is that things can be delivered right to your door, and it's it's pretty amazing. Like you can just I don't know what you get delivered to your door, Matt. Lots of people get all kinds of things. One of the things that is delivered straight to my door that I don't have to think about and hadn't had to think about it might be years now is my toothbrush. That's because I use the Quip toothbrush and I love it. I just uh, I just used it this morning, in fact, and it is just so fun. It's one of my favorite. I guess it is my very most favorite way of taking care of my teeth that I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it is the number one. I can rely on it. It helps me. It's a little bit more fun than a regular old toothbrush. It's great. Seriously. Uh, and let's talk about brushing our teeth. You know that 75% of us use old, worn-out bristles that are ineffective, 
And even more people forget to floss daily. Good health starts with good habits. And Quip makes it easy because it does the delivering of your toothbrush and toothpaste. I mean, you can get all kinds of oral care essentials uh, right to your front door. The Quip electric toothbrush has a timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide uh, a dentist-recommended two-minute routine. That's what I love. It, it stops. I go, oh, yep, brush on the other side. You've been, I don't even have to think anymore with my tooth, with my teeth. That's amazing. Paired with Quip's anti-cavity toothpaste, in mint or watermelon, you get all the ingredients teeth actually need and the one none of the ones that they don't. Quip also has an eco-friendly, reliable floss with a dispenser that you can keep for life. I got mine, sticks right to my uh, mirror, and I put my toothbrush there. It's so great. So join over 3 million happy customers and practice good oral health care easily and affordably with Quip. And that's starting just at $25. Can you believe it? I Seriously. Can't. Why? I know. I mean, why wouldn't you want to get something so special delivered right to your door? So uh, you can go to, if you go to getquip.com slash bad Christian right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash bad Christian. So, uh, and that's spelled Q U I P.com slash bad Christian. Quip, the good habits company. All right, let's do it. So I was talking with Matt. And I believe that there's a problem with computers in the world and because (laughs) everything's so bad, I actually really think there's a real problem with internet and computers and hard drives and all that stuff too. Do you think, so you think what's happening now is affecting the computers? I have never been more sure. You heard of a computer virus, haven't you, Devin? You heard it jump species? It jumped from a pangolin and a bat into a human, didn't it? That's you true. think that fucking thing can't That's jump true. into a computer? So you think com- computers and internet has COVID? Well, it can jump species, so why can't it jump to well, a non-carbon-based hey, life? You tell me. There's no, there's no good answer. Why not? I I don't disagree. I had computer issues. It'd be a the weeks first ago. virus that jumped from biological to digital. <laughs> And we're going to go into a pleasant zone called Are You Listening? And talk about mm-hmm. music and screamo and wonderful things from the, I don't know, t- the- early 2000s and stuff like that. It'll be great. <laughs> we're going to yep. start the show right here. I've got a cocktail, and there's no alcohol in it, but I'm going to share the recipe with it, with it for it with you because I find it to be very, very useful at helping me not drink alcohol. So I'm the kind of person... That if he's not going to drink alcohol, has to replace it with something. There's a there's a term for it, but I'm not going to say the term. Nope. Alcoholic. Anyway, the this is my drink. I call it a covito, and it the Ooh. key to it Ooh. is it's very spicy. I grow serrano peppers in the front yard, and <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> You've had a mojito, right? Oh, I grow mint, God. cilantro, yeah. and serrano You're peppers. Serrano in peppers yep. in your front yard? Yes, I am. Well, I'm in oh, Georgia and, and Bridget, dude. And, I can't see real good, Devin. Grandma showed up. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people are gardening these days. You know that. You know that a lot of people are gardening true. these days. True. I know you are. Uh, you know I am. So I've got... Devin and I ain't. <laughs> I've got bitters in it. You can choose the bitters you like. Yep. Fresh mint and a serrano pepper. You can use a jalapeno if you like. Muddle it oh. up. Let all those oils out. Fill it up with the oh, LaCroix the of your choice. I've got a lime carbonated water uh and then it is uh and that's uh-huh. and that's it and just fill it up with ice and it's like a mojito i call it a covito and that wow if you don't nice. so we, we won't be i don't think anybody's drinking toby's not drinking devin's not drinking right i actually well actually I, yeah i actually <laughs> it's just am. me then 
Mm-hmm. I have been, but just like a couple of weeks. No big deal. Matt adds ad- adrenochrome to his. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's the blood of youth that the elites use. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers to everybody. I heard about that. Yeah. No. How do I know everything? Good Lord. <laughs> no, I'm not that deep in the internet culture to know what that is, but I'm interested now. I think you've piqued blood my interest. Of it could be it could be good so okay so the uh, show today uh is this t- tonight is a special uh night because we're is. gonna spend a little bit more time talking we don't have a formal guest to collaborate and we're gonna focus a lot on the we're gonna make a just a piece of media like a break it down mm-hmm. episode or a yep. whatever it is whatever you want to think about we're gonna reflect up on I'm only a man and talk about how we are updating that record that's a big story for yeah. us it's part of our year that we've been planning for a long time and we're right into it now and we have a vinyl pre-order um for the re- first time release of i'm only a man with updated recording we'll talk all about that in a little bit but that's kind of what we're celebrating that pre-order will be live on wednesday the 15th but we're going to do the everything we normally do too we got a bunch of music and stuff like that for the are you listening crowd which we're over here on twitch I see mm-hmm. Mitch DVB, Mitch mm-hmm. VDB. We got VDB. all the normal people. We got hype trains going on here. VDB. We have tips going. We've got T-shirts that we are giving away for yes, the top tippers, do. and it's a lot of fun. Let's talk about the album. I'm only a man. Let's 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 get into one of the most disrespected albums of all time. <laughs> you got to take a deep deep breath and be so we can be reflective and try to remember what it felt like to make that record and we'll talk a little bit about it but the thing um about i'm only a man we talked about it a lot we did the label podcast where we went through the story of it is it true that for all three of us i guess we have the collective thing like the one of the things that you've been through in your life that was hard or bad or negative or difficult that made you who you are is you'd say that experience would that be true for all three of us that in your life, the only man experience is a, a very transformative and powerful one and an ultimately a positive one, but through negativity? Like, you know, you, uh, everybody goes through a really difficult thing and has these effects and you grow from it. Is that how y'all see I'm only a man? I think I have two two separate feelings about this. So when we're talking about the outcome Mm-hmm. Of I'm only a man. I I remember initially, uh, of course, it was negativity. It was like, man, this sucks. Like, we're not as good as we thought. Our album's not doing well. People don't like us anymore or what. You know, it was all these different things you have in your mind. But the out, the recording of that album was one of the most fun times I've ever had. No doubt about it. it you know is, what I'm saying? It probably is the the coolest yeah, that's that's funny. I didn't ma- I didn't think about that. But you're right. So Making little, that album was I've never that's as much fun as I had. It was like that. The last thing I did with a real innocent mindset. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, you it were, was a big listen. budget extravagant thing, and I had almost no. I had a lot of innocence right. still at the time. So it oh, really was a super high point. We were in yeah, this right. amazing studio on this horse ranch for six weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean. Six weeks, that's an insane amount of time to be in one place with the same guys writing and recording music, right? Yeah, and we had more money than we'd ever had to do anything we've ever done. We basically had the feeling like that Tooth and Nail and all of our fans were like, 
we trust you guys. Go, just go do it. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. it felt. You know what I mean? Yes. And so we were there. We pre we wrote the songs, basically finalized the songs in the studio. We took what two weeks, a week or two weeks to finish Jamming, writing yep. and recording mm-hmm. like demos in this room, and just it was awesome. We played pranks. We did stuff every day. We it was just fun. And then for the next four to five weeks, we just woke up every day, had breakfast, recorded an album. Yeah. It's also the last weeks. time we did a record that way where we were just, everybody was together, the whole production team, yeah. everything was happening in one place. There was no families or going home or anything. Right. It was, just, well, we didn't have families at the time. It was just felt, yeah, it felt like the thing you right. think that bands do, the big, the big thing that you think, Famous bands always do when they go to the studio and just do whatever. We use two two inch tape, you know. Remember, we recorded oh, yeah. the drums to a tape machine and then dumped yeah. it to Pro Tools, and from there, and it was everything. definitely the most free yeah. like recording we've ever done. And it was, like I said, I mean, it was an amazing experience. So it's hard for me to totally view it negatively. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because but, but, in my mind, it's like, man, that was so awesome. Yeah. So if that's one bookend of it, the other one though right. is I'll put it. I'll put it in context. The other one is we got felt bad or got burnt or learned a hard lesson and it started a different relationship with music, I think. And then ultimately, I would say, I would trace it ultimately to the the peak feeling or something was gone to where uh, we went through what you would call harder times for us. And then even you leaving the band is like a, a down a down eventually right. of that of it not going the direction we thought the band was going do you know what i'm saying yeah. so yeah. You, you were in the band for a while longer and then you left the band so to me there's the peak before i'm only a man and then what i would now look at i didn't see that at the time or no you know i could i was i couldn't have had any a way to look at it at the time but now i look at it as there was a decline after that in morale and direction and my care for music even i think i think i got yeah. jaded where i didn't i wasn't open-minded about music anymore i just kind of thought right. we got to figure out how to make it better so people like it more or something like i'm not yeah. i'm not clouding music made after that it's just my mindset was was different and i think that well yeah i think that's when i specifically and i think all of us to some degree but to, toby and me probably the most cuz toby's the most vocal about it you know, in, in general throughout the band. <clears throat> but that's when we really started second guessing the longevity. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Of the band. Yep. You know what I mean? You started thinking, wait a second, maybe this won't last all that long. And maybe we do actually need to think about what's next. You know what I mean? That's when it kind of started being, becoming a little bit more real in that sense. Now, I d- not at all did I immediately think after uh, I'm only making out, no thoughts in my mind were like, I want to quit the band. Mm-hmm. But that, but like you said, that was probably a slow like a decline snowball. phase. Yeah, that was like a if slight things are decline. Up and down. Yeah, yeah, and it probably never fully went back up. You know, we did a shallow seas we sell, which I still thinks maybe one of our best albums for sure. Maybe if not the best overall album, mm-hmm. personally. And so that was the rebound, and then from there, you know, just kind of changed a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 kind of it's kind of a. It's a little bit conflicted in my mind still. Mm-hmm. But if in the even longer term from there, though, then you get to now, and then I see the whole thing as like the most probably most best case scenario in a way and the best lessons learned possible. Like 
but that's only been right. kind of recent that I've even had that view, to be honest. I didn't have the oh, ability yeah. to learn the, you know, I hadn't learned the lessons until almost kind of recently that started from that is the way. I feel like I'm now finally harvesting the benefits and the the hard lessons from a hard hard time. Maybe it sounds crazy to say hard time to people, but um, yeah. I'm not trying to say it in some negative way against the album because I want to talk about the album and its music and its recording right. too, but I'm just saying... A lot of people understand that the trajectory of us we talked about, we thought we were going to get a million dollars and a major label deal. And I don't know. It's so, so crazy because I so, so feel like I got saved from not having to even go down that path or live that life. I do not, yeah, do not wish it had gone differently now. Right. It, the, oh, yeah. Is the way I see it. I, I 100% agree. Now, it's it's a little tricky because at the time, and I would say within probably a year of recording that album, maybe even two, three years, whatever, we wouldn't have said that. You no. know what I mean? You you would have said, "Man, I wish we would have gotten that big." Yeah, or deal I with wish the major music label. industry didn't fall apart, or I wish this would happen, yeah. or downloading. You know, there's every way you right. can spin the story to yourself, but you just didn't quite right. get it all. We just didn't quite get it all. You know, yeah, but you're right. I think if I had to say, and I, you know, obviously nobody knows and we don't know. I mean, we're not really the, the kind of band that's going to get this huge radio hit necessarily and take off. And oh, yeah, we were thinking the party song would be a radio hit, right? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that was kind of the we were we didn't yeah. write it for that purpose, but yeah. we the, thought it had a label, shot at the time. The label was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of a catchy, you know, kind of poppy song because politics was on radio. It was on, right. politics right. at the time was on radio getting plays, and we're like, oh, and we didn't even, we weren't even hardly trying. Wait, wait, watch this, you know, kind of thing, you know. Well, it's funny too. Do you, I, you probably remember this, but so Dave, David Bendeth, that's his name, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't he, did he mix the whole album? Um, almost all, I think. Okay. Yeah, I like most. So of it. I remember we met with him. So David Bendeth is a big time like mixer guy. I mean, I don't know who all he's done. He's done a bunch of kind of butt rock bands, right? Like, Breaking Benjamin, Paramore. Breaking Benjamin. Uh, yeah, he did the well, Paramore Paramore's Riot album. Yeah, but um, oh, really? Well, yeah. that, not all but rock then. But he, um, so we met with him. I remember before we recorded the album, and he was talking. You know, they all talk crap. It's like whatever. But you know, he's building us up, saying all this stuff. And uh, I remember when we brought him, "I'm Only a Man." I think when <laughs> I think he didn't he say something like, "There's no hits on this album." Yeah, he said party something song. Like that. He goes, "You think it's a radio song? It's got a double intro." <laughs> <laughs> he said something like that. Right. So it was like immediately. It was like, wait, no. So it didn't take long for us to catch on. Like, wait a second, maybe people aren't into this. Like right off. But yeah, you know, we thought it was going to be like kind of a, I don't know, kind of a late to the game cult following, which I guess that's what it ended up being, but just not to the point we thought it might be. So, but. I, I still think, looking back, that in that moment, we thought this is our best music. Like, this is the yeah, best music no doubt. that we've ever written compared to what was before. Uh, and maybe people in the chat or whoever listening would say, oh, it is. Or, you know, some people love the album, some people don't, whatever. But it, there's no way you could have done anything differently. No, you know what I mean. No, there wasn't. We didn't. There wasn't a way it could have gone differently. Nobody could have no. talked us into something different, and we didn't know what we didn't know. And it was, right. it was just that it seemed like it was just all the same 
type of decision making we'd been doing the whole time. So we recorded the album uh, with Ryan Butch, who was Ross yep. Robinson's engineer, and Ross Robinson's just done everything. And Ryan's great, and he's he knows Pro oh, Tools yeah. as good as anybody. And we thought we would just make it together, kind of, and 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 uh, we would do the songs that we had prepared because we had the songs all really written really well. And he would record it. And there was just one step missing. I wasn't trying to produce or thought I knew how to record at all at the time. It wasn't something I had any confidence in. I just thought, well, we need somebody to do the recording that knows how to clean it up, edit, set the mics right, and process it really well. I didn't yeah. have a, a, a understanding of what producers like Ed Rose and Aaron Sprinkle's talents truly are as far as getting the details creatively ironed out and managing the overall meta feeling of, of it it's the, there's a higher level yeah. skill than it, it, you know i understand it today that it's not about the sounds on the recording right. it's about the energy and the overall i mean it's these really hard to describe things and that's why i've never gravitated toward them but uh aaron sprinkle for instance and ed rose just had a clear clear vision of what finished was and what it when it's right and how to manage the whole thing. And Ryan being an engineer primarily and terrific at it, he didn't have that skill, that meta skill really as much right. either. And I certainly didn't have it or the technical skill at the time. And so we got in the middle of it and I, I learned a lot doing that because I kept feeling like there's something missing. And so I got involved. That's how I got into recording. And so the recording, there's a lot of stuff on the recording that I really, really, really do like. There's some really cool sounds. Oh yeah. And we just had so much, so much good equipment and all that stuff is there, but it didn't get put. It just didn't. The vision wasn't there for how the songs were supposed to actually right. turn out. And there's a ton of details too. Like this is out of tune or that's off or that didn't, nobody fixed mm -hmm. that. You know, there's a ton of that on it, which some of it's pretty charming, though. So I have a, a oh, weird yeah. relationship yeah. with the recording, but I know to be a commercial recording, it's way more experimental and very raw, but only raw in places and slick in places. It's not cohesive entirely. So now I think there's a weird thing where the fans and everybody really likes the songs and connects with it, and we really like it, and the recording is kind of quirky and oddball and in a way yeah. that you come to really like. So it's a really mixed relationship. I think the recording itself. It's not I do not think of right. it as a terrible recording or failure. But no, no. I do there's a lot of it that I don't I'm so uh, I I I've just oh man if I could just go back I've always had this if I could if I'd have just known at that time how or how did I even let that how, how did we not notice that? Right. You know, I have that feeling in so many tiny little places about details and stuff there. That's the it just the whole well, thing has that feeling to me. Yeah, well like you said, so Ryan uh and Remember we had uh, a guy named Pooch come mm -hmm. in. Yeah, he was like the drum. He was the drummer, drum tech, kind of an assistant. He was awesome. Their energy was awesome. So they had the energy that was really kind of getting us in that mode for what we were doing. But I even remember after the after the album came out, the recording, everything. Butch even eventually said, "You know, like I wish you guys had written a heavier album." Because mm -hmm. his thing was like heavy music. Like mm -hmm. that was his thing. We worked with him because we liked his style. He had worked with the Foo Fighters before. He'd done all different kinds of stuff with Ross Robinson. We were like, this would be cool. You know, like this would kind of be a combo deal, like you said. But they, his niche was like heavy stuff. And so I think if we had done a different album with him, like we do what we want, or if you'd done, you know, just some different stuff, I think it would have been like probably. 
mm-hmm. one of people's favorites. Yeah, he did Norma it, Jean, think, a couple of right. Norma Jean records, right? Yeah. You know, the second and third Norma Jean record, I believe. And so this was, th- even though I'm Only Man has plenty of heavy stuff, it's not a heavy, heavy record. I mean, there's a lot of quirky stuff too. And so I think it just kind of caught him off guard a little bit. And he didn't really know what to do with that some some of that stuff too. And that, like you said, there was plenty of spots. I was like, man, I wish the vocals were a little clearer here, a little little more in tune here. And you know, I think that was a little bit of the tension was. And I don't. And I loved it. It was one of my favorite recordings, even because of Butch. But if we had gone in and done that with Aaron Sprinkle or with someone else, it would have come out same songs sounding totally different. Yeah, it would. I think there would have you know been I mean? a big difference in outcome of how. The, how everything went. I mean, I think it would have been a, almost sure. a determinant um, in, in in a way. So now it's kind of cool, and it almost has that Pinkerton effect where Rivers yeah. was had, had mixed feelings about it, but it's the best Weezer album. And even if you look back on it, I'm sure he doesn't dislike it or anything. It's just right. Weezer made a different choice after that and went a pop direction and said, I'm not trying to do that anymore. Right. Like they learned, you know, I always felt like they felt like they learned a lesson or something, but that doesn't mean that that, but it is their best record. Oh yeah. So that, you know, that's the, I I embrace that whole situation about I'm only a man. Um, and the chat, you know, people are, people are, you know, interested in that too. I wonder (laughs) what they, you know, I, I'm not sure what they're, feeling is and i really hate to fa- sound like we're talking bad about one of our no, albums no. to the people that like it the most so that's why it's a little bit of a tightrope there um but they just have great questions like i'm i'm you know the uh don't boris get to the chorus you remember recording that yeah that oh, vocal yeah. part how did that come <laughs> do you remember that <laughs> and i'll be honest okay so i remember thinking a couple things i think I remember when we came up and Toby was kind of driving Don't Bore Us, some of the parts of this. And the beginning I thought was cool and funny. It was kind of like Queen. The chorus being so uh, electronic, I never really loved it when Mm -hmm. we were recording it. I felt a little, I didn't really, uh, maybe I even held back a little bit. And I was like, you know, uh, yeah, that's that's fine, you know, whatever. But in the moment I was thinking like, I just don't think this kind of, I don't think there's a bridge from one to the other. I remember kind of thinking that way. But I didn't, you know, it's one of those things you're, you're like, if everybody else is all about it, I didn't really want to cause any issues really at the time. And I'm not saying I was right. I'm just saying in the moment I was kind of thinking that way, like, yeah, I just don't know if I love this. And then the beginning, though, I thought was really cool. But it was almost like some of that stuff is almost like, what can we do just to kind of be crazy. Weird. You know what I mean? Because it's so weird. Anyway, right. Just... Let's just keep throwing it on top. You know what I mean? Like whatever we want to do which was fun and awesome, but maybe it wasn't the right decision in every case, you know, for yeah. some of the songs. Yeah. that I mean, but that song is popular and people really oh, like I it. I know. You know, it, and it's, I like it's, it. it's ambitious. Like it. It's very ambitious. Yeah. And it doesn't quite get pulled off or, or it may kind of does or something, but it's right. in that right. territory. You exactly. Know? It's in, the, but it's, you know, people can, I think it's cool for people to see like, yeah, there was decisions that were being made by each person throughout the record that probably we weren't. Not every decision that's made about a record is unanimous. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's always things that are like, well, Josh doesn't really like this, or, well, you know, it's just kind of have to go with something. At some point, you kind of have to just go with it. Mm-hmm. You can't make, you can't sit on one thing forever and make decisions. You have to just kind of move forward. So, yeah. That was probably one of the albums that. We kind of had a few of those, but we're just like, well, we just got to go. We just got to move. 
So what we're doing now then is uh, it's, it's exciting because we're doing an update of, of the album. That's the way I think of it. We're not try- it's, uh, I'm not trying to recreate the original recording, but we're also not trying to change anything. We're just trying to record these songs directly and as purely as these songs can be directly recorded. Right. And it's an update. It's kind of a duo. It's not a do-over in an attempt to outdo, but it is right. just kind of an update to who we are, but to do these songs in their complete original spirit with the belief that we can do them better. I, I do believe that yeah. we have and can do these better, but we're just now in the second track of that. So we're going to try and do one every week. Um, and the main contrast now is just the insanity of the opposites stories of the recording. So the first one, like we said, was the most extravagant right. recording experience you could imagine. And we've, we've spent something close to about a hundred thousand dollars making it. The mixes alone with Bendith cost three, $4,000 a piece for the mixes you know, we spent fifty grand on the studio, and just we had I had fifty guitars and twenty five amps. I got amps from all over people. <laughs> I rented amps from companies, and just yep. it just was it was just all that stuff. I had fifty like fifty guitars. I got went to Nashville. I had a Gibson deal, and just people gave me guitars. It's all this stuff, and uh, now we record and we spent all that time on it and everything. And now just with I don't know technology and some maturity and experience. The recordings we're making now, I don't think would be any better if we spent more time or money on them. And we right. record them. We did th- four songs this week, and this is one of them. You know, <laughs> right. like we we have four songs this week. One of them is the party song, um, which I did the drums for a little while ago um, before the before the yeah. virus. We had the, we did out, on Christmas break. Dave went in and we tracked the drums for the whole record in three or four hours, just played along the recording and did the yeah. drum tracks like that. Uh, and then we've been doing the, re- finishing the songs here one week at a time. So party song this week. And uh, I am very happy with how it turned out. And I'm just kind of taking the opposite approach where none of that stuff matters. So the drums we did ourselves with the same gear we use live with the same mixing console that Josh sets it up and set the engineers that. And then the guitar, I did it through, uh, people ask me about the guitar so much, and I'm just going to say I did it the simplest way. Sitting right behind me, I have a Helix uh, stomp pedal, and I put on the AC-15 modeler and then tweaked the treble and bass and just recorded it. That and with a yeah. with tube screamer pedal uh, emulator in front of it, and then I turn the tube screamer off for the clean part, and that's it. I just take the same guitar I use live, sitting right here, and just put it in there, and that feels great to me. And then the bass, uh, Chris Keen did, and then I did the synth this morning right here on the, the synthesizer I've been using week to week. And I, man, I'm just stoked on the the recording and its clarity. And then I mixed it this morning. Uh, Josh actually. Uh, is Josh and I are both mixing together, so he would go on and uh, went through all the channels a couple of days ago. Then I go back in and continue the working on it and mix it until it's done from from there. But he does a layer of of technical engineering or mixing in there, and uh, just finished it. Got notes from you guys, and then I went put it up and and mastered it in Lander. Um, so master with an AI assisted program that works super well. And it's all done, and that's all. It costs zero dollars, yeah. <laughs> and t- took you know some number of hours this week of a collaborative effort. So Chris Keen from California, yeah. Toby from North Carolina, you in Illinois, Josh at his place down the street, me here. You know we, uh, you know just everybody working on it. Bunch of hours 
of of labor and it comes out so good i'm really thrilled with with where we're at especially on this one because this was an important song you know i know that rock oh, yeah. and roll we did that one but this one being an important song and knowing what went into it and how big of a deal it's still one of our biggest songs is party song yeah. so i'm hoping that this one people will really care and get it or enjoy it and you can totally freely prefer the other version totally oh, yeah, fine yeah. I, you have no reason to have to prefer this version but you might <clears throat> You you right. might prefer it because you can hear it's just a little bit more of who we are, I guess, you know. Oh yeah. I mean I, I would be surprised if people don't prefer it, but it wouldn't it's not like an absolute, you know. Mm-hmm. But to me, I, I hear it and I'm like, man, this sounds it just sounds I don't know. I don't know the best word to describe it. it. Truer. Just, yeah, it sounds truer. Well, it more sounds authentic. more more yeah. I think it I sounds guess, better, guess, but that's neither here nor there. Really. That, yeah, it's not. I'm not really listening for better. It's just more clear in my mind. Like this is. Oh yeah, this is it. This is the sounds that we really want. Talk about the, doing the vocals on this. How are you doing vocals now? And this song particular. Uh, you know, you didn't do the lead on. I wish Toby was here to explain that, yeah. but he, we may get it back. But in any well, case, what, how are you approaching these uh, main vocal takes? Well, in in a similar fashion that I did for Rock and Roll, too. So our goal um, is to basically do one or two really solid full run-throughs of the song. Like a true, like if we were doing it live, just Mm -hmm. sing the song how you would, sing it aggressively, sing it just true, and, and just get through it. And whatever parts that you feel a little unsure about, we just go back and patch. So for instance... Mine this week, I sing a decent amount in party song, not like not like a ton, but I went one whole take through, and then I think I patched two spots. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like you know, I mean, I wasn't patching every other line. It was like, oh yeah, these two don't sound exactly like I would probably want them to, so I'll just fix those, and that Mm -hmm. was it. So that felt pretty cool. That's more enjoyable than a bunch doing a bunch of takes and having yeah because when you're when you're when you're punching individual lines which i don't mind that i mean you're looking when i'm doing that you're almost looking for perfection Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you're looking for oh yeah that's exactly how i hear it in my brain but this way it's like i'm just singing it the best way that i can in a live kind of feel and then anything that i don't think fits we can just fix it Mm-hmm. So that's it. Feels a little bit more true. It's more pure and natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. I mean, but we weren't always good enough musicians to to do that either. So oh, that's no, a, a weird thing about our genre yeah. is you can, especially the more experimental or technical that music has become with technology. People have me chiefly have gotten into. I can play beyond myself if I punch or take more time or practice this or explore this versus make myself know it, be able to nail it all the way through, and then simply try to capture it with good energy, which, yep. you know, so a song like this that's been refined, I was able to do in the same way. So I think what you'll see in this video, and if you go check out the video, we play it here, is Dave's take is pure. It's 100% through. There may be something that changed or edited or swapped out a fill, but it's a pure take there, and he only did one take. Uh, I think that's true about everything. I did the guitar in a pass-through once I got it all the way. So these videos aren't lip syncs of this. It's the playing that goes into the recording, and then after the fact, if it's off, it's because it was changed or edited or fixed or an alteration made. But I think yep. you're seeing on these videos the pure takes of everything, including uh, maybe that synth one. I, I did overdub that synth thing because I didn't 
do it in real time. I didn't know what it was. I right, had to right. remake those synth sounds today. But I did that this morning just because I was like, oh, yeah, I have a cool synth. I can make those beeps, you know, original with an analog synth now. So, um, hey, I'm here. Y'all Toby's hear me? back. You want to talk He's to back. us about the party song before we play it? You know what else is interesting, Toby? You could take it from here, but... Okay. You, you know, y'all just did your vocals in those mics you're talking on right now in your room, right? Just right. Same signal yes, chain as, as you're sitting here with. Well, I'll say on the the redo, is that what, what are we calling this? I'm only a man. I'm like two. an update. It's just an update. I'm, I'm only a man update. update. Well, for me, uh, Matt, you asked me to, when we did the video for the video, just record myself on the first take, like do it all the way through. And that actually really worked this time it puts some pressure on you to get yeah, i don't there. know what so i mean i don't know what you did in the studio after i sang it but i sang the entire song one time through and i was really happy with it and then i was like okay i'm probably a fool it's toby here you know who you're talking to toby toby you're talking to toby <laughs> so i said uh i says to myself i says um i said self why don't why don't you do a extra take this maybe, you know, just in case. And so I did another take and I cut a couple of spots and basically did a double, but you know, but I thought the, the one time through was really good. It, it, I was really proud of myself. Like I felt like I gave it my all and I sang it really well. Mm -hmm. And normally that doesn't happen. Normally I'm pretty critical and stuff, but this, it just sounded really good. And so just doing a double of it was really fun and it was really fun. Like I think Devin, you said this earlier, it was really fun just doing a song that you know so well. Like that, th yeah. the fact that the song, that I know this song so well. Devin and I play this song on Songs and Stories tours. And we play this song live with Emery, Full Man, and all this stuff so much that I just know this song so well that it just didn't feel intimidating or like I didn't, my identity wasn't wrapped up in it. I was like, oh, I'm going to sing this song and I know it. And so it felt really good. So I really enjoyed singing the song, actually. Yeah. And that's where the, that's where it, that's where I'm at as a producer is that energy of it being it's the some subtle confidence of the, that take where you do it under pressure. So to me, the same what I'm focused on as a as a producer is more the the mind trick part of it, like having you do it with that camera yeah. and know that you're going to be seen and everybody's going to see it today, right now, in a couple of minutes from now. That's actually something. That's an actual real oh, yeah. context yeah. in which you did the performance. And I think that's what it's all about. So these performances on this recording are real performances under different contexts put together, of course. But they're performances. It's not a recording built in a studio. So right. that's kind of where my head is at. It's like, what do we really purely and truly sound like if you just optimize for that and don't focus on really almost anything else? And it's weird to do it digitally or do it by yourself. Like, that's the challenge is right. you can't, you know, you know, I'm interested in seeing what, but part of doing it here and knowing I had to premiere it here and the mix has to be done, everything has to be done, is the context in which the recording makes. And it, it, it's kind of like stand-up comedy. You have to do it in front of people with pressure to find out if it's working or how to do it. And there's something about leaning into that that I think is uh, is really making it cohesive and, and stuff. So now I'm just talking to people. Again, it's fine with me. It's fine with you, Toby, if people prefer the old version. Is that part of oh, the liabilities yeah, yeah, doing yeah, it yeah. this way is doing it worse? I, or yeah, I understand that. Like, I mean, you get, uh, I mean, the number one thing that has affected my life the most in the world is demo-itis, mm -hmm. where we, we write right. a song and I can't, when I hear the mix, I go, oh, oh, <laughs> God. 
No. <laughs> I just hate the mixer, and I think they're yep. terrible, and they don't know anything. But it's just that I'm so used to what I know that I can't hear outside of that context. So, I, yeah, if somebody loves the original I'm Only a Man, no skin off my back. But I think this is a reboot, mostly for us. I mean, this is something that we want wanted to do and something that we wanted to try, and it gives us the opportunity to do vinyl and all that stuff for sure. But the other point of it is this was our third record, and we didn't know what – we thought this was everything, and it turned out the way it did. And so why not just give it a little bit of a reboot, a little refresher? Mm-hmm. So we're in the middle of doing the whole record, but we're happy to have the party song this week. So we'll roll in a second, and then we'll talk about uh, putting it on, on vinyl. Yep. And how that works. But yep. if you're listening to this, I assure you, you should go find the video and check it out because this real performance is there. It's just, a, it's not a made after the fact thing. It's a video capture of something close to the complete production of the song. There's doubles and there's editing. It's not, it's not pure in that sense. But these are the real performances from us playing a song that we know well as we sound today, optimized fairly decently. And I'm very proud of it, and and happy to be a, ha, have a container uh, in which context in which this could matter and have meaning yep. with, with the yep. you guys and with Devin and Toby again. And it's all positive, man. It's all good. Even what was bad now somehow seems good to me. I'm, I'm in a actually a pretty good mental state. I feel about it, and and I am really thankful. I mean that sincerely. But here is uh, the party song. I never imagined we'd be able to do make recordings like this, this pure, this well. You know what I'm saying? I didn't realize we would get oh, here, yeah. we'd ever be here 10 years, 15 years later, and all that kind of stuff. So here we go. Party song update. Woo. Like the party, but the party never stops. I know you like the party, but the party never stops. I know you, I know you, I know you. I know you wanna be here, so you just let go. No one's ever gonna tell you no. Well, I want to, cause I know you, I know you. But you party on. Kicked out of your mother's house. You stole money from her purse. She finally tossed you out. You should be ashamed. Don't sit there, George.
but the party, but the party never stops. I know you like the party, but the party never stops. Well, I know you, I know you, I know you. But you party on. Every bit of it. That, that was awesome. Good, man. And and that, that is the. Uh, really I mean, it's it. That's where we're at for now. That's probably not final final mix because we'll mix them right. all and make some adjustments as we get toward the end of the phase. But we're in week two of going through that whole record. There's the flute part is missing in the bridge. There's these two oh, flutes that yeah. come from a mellotron. Yeah. Uh, mellotron's like this machine that has these samples in it early from Abbey Road. So there's these Abbey Road flute sounds that the Beatles use. Uh, oh, yeah. like strawberry yeah. fields and stuff. It's that kind of sound, uh, but I didn't get it or pull it up yet. So that's missing from the bridge. But other than that, it's all basically there. The synth is slightly different. I added a couple of things and tweaked the synth a little bit. Um, but other than that, that's the song. I think it's quite in character of the original and, and, and what it is, and hopefully a good compliment to the original version. It's funny, um, Derek Tinbush is on here who worked for Tooth & Nail back when we early in our um, you know, musical days, and he just he just wrote in the chat. Sounds killer. Let me get Best Buy on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was the guy who got probably got. I'm only a man in in stores. Oh, Is yeah. that right? Yeah, he, he was, he was there at the time. He said, "You got to give it a few lessons, but trust me." Yep, yep. <laughs> take it. Take a bunch of units. He was that guy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like Derek Timbush probably thinks that on some a certain level we ruined all people in the music industry's careers yeah we screwed <laughs> him only, over he, you know they had careers we were, i'm on only a man and that was the end right yeah that i feel bad it. for all the label people we screwed good. over with the bad music no i'm just kidding no <laughs> the label was derek really Tim supportive of it they, that, they really were derek timbush is the person that took us up to the top of Capitol records building in la <laughs> mm-hmm. remember that is the it looks oh, yeah. you know it's like the circle building yep. and we went up to the very top and it was just i was like this is crazy man like i'm in la on the top of a building of cap, the top of Capitol Records, looking at L.A. Yeah, I was yeah. like, it, it, and it, like you belong there, you deserve yeah. to be there, or something. Like, yeah. well, I mean, and, I'm and, that good, so I, of course I'm here. Just the beginning, I thought. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Welcome. Like that just moment of of all that time was like, well, I, this is this must be how anybody felt on their journey upward, right? Or something yep. like that, you know. I know. It's real weird to say, but of course that was absurd to have us on the build. You know, I don't know what I don't know what I thought that meant. I mean, I don't know where th- you thought then you'd be now, but <laughs> you know, I thought I'd be Aerosmith yeah. or something, right? Like I just thought, well, when we ride up only a man, forget yep. it. See ya, see ya, mom and dad. I'm waving goodbye to my family. See ya, everybody. Told you, <laughs> they'll see. <laughs> Told you. So what about the vinyl? So we're going to do vinyl. Devin yeah. is the vinyl so, master in charge of everything, so, but I just know this much. Uh, it's one cool thing about the vinyl is that these re-recordings do allow us to control everything. 
you know, and get we don't have to get clearance since we re recorded it and and all that. We control we're gonna control the artwork and sell it and you know, we get to do everything here. So that's a really good a uh, big upside. Yeah. It's funny because thinking back to our early records, I'm only a man we're talking about specifically, vinyl wasn't a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there were people who collected no, vinyl, obviously, throughout the decades prior. But it wasn't something that labels made. It was kind of a... They were overpriced, and you didn't make them. It wasn't... The first vinyl we made was You Were Never Alone. Is that right? Uh, when, yeah. When you... When yeah. we were no longer I mean, there was some pressing of weeks in that somebody did somewhere or whatever. But yeah, first somewhere, one we ever not had like any a, knowledge not of involvement. Yeah. pressing till later. Yeah. So... But now, you know, over the past five, six, seven years for us and our scene, and it's become more of a common, the common man tends to collect vinyl sometimes now. So more than just the, you know, the hipster type folks. So now. Wait, you tell me vinyls we, made it all the way down to peasant level? Pretty close. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty close. I mean, you got people who want man, to listen on says, vinyl. Yeah. And, and so, but what's really cool now, and it's, People always ask us these questions like, why can't you do this? Or why can't you make that on vinyl? Why can't you do shallow seas? Why can't you do this? And the truth is, it's not because labels are just terrible. I mean, they're not, not all of them are very good, but Tooth & Nail is great. They were nothing but good to us. But they are owned or were owned. Are they still owned by Tooth & Nail is independent, but independent I'm now. only a man and our back catalog is owned by Universal they were Music by, Group, and, yes, which is owned yes, by so, uh, Capital Right, Global and EMI was company, a big right. back then, whatever. So they have the rights to our masters. So just kind of get technical. You know more about this than me, Matt. They have the right to our masters, which therefore means that they are the ones who press every, they own the music in order to make the copies of whatever we make, CDs. We had to buy our CDs to sell them, right? They own so the we recordings, had, not the compositions is basically the recordings, the not compositions. So we used to have to purchase our CDs for $5 each, right? Mm-hmm. And from them and then sell them or whatever. So other than just the, the now that we own our own music, the newer stuff, and including the new version of I'm Only Man, we just go straight to the press. We, we do it ourselves all the way down to from start to finish. So we're going to be able to do that. Like we have done our past couple of albums. And so we're going to, you said July 15th, we're going to start the pre-order for Emory. I'm only a man vinyl. So there'll be some other options, but we're going to have, you know, just the, the normal stuff. Like we're going to have the standard vinyl. We're going to have, um, you know, a couple of variants. We'll probably have an Emory land exclusive option. Um, you know, just things like that, that we want to show a little bit, extra appreciation for the people who are helping us fund this. So that's the plan is on July 15th, you'll be able to go and pre-order all that stuff. I know you just spent money on our newest record, like not long ago, but we got more things that you can buy if you want to, but this pre-order is going to be going on for a while. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, we're going to basically the length of the recording. Yeah. I think we're trying to rethink just the way of, you know, everything's up for grabs as far as what's the right protocol or procedure. There's just whatever works. So we're going to keep making the yeah. record and pre-ordering and showing the songs weekly and pre-ordering. And I don't know, it's like a book. I, it, the pre-order can be open right. as long until it comes out, until we run out of the unit. I mean, the pre-order will help us know how many units exactly to order when it's yeah. time to do that, which we'll know because we'll be making the final songs and we'll already have X amount of pre-orders. So we'll probably get, it'll probably be one or 2,000 
copies or something like yep. that. Um, and you know, we'll just make those choices as we go, as based on the pre-orders, and we'll let you know if it has to cut off or if it's so, it may sell out, and certain ones will sell out. I imagine we can get test right. presses too, right? Oh yeah, special yeah, we'll edition. So we'll have details on that. It might be on the website now, um, coming up. Yeah, so July that's what emorymusic.com. Yeah. yeah, it'll be link probably in the description, Emory, perhaps. Yeah, Reva is working on it. I think it'll be emorymusic.com's forward slash I O A M or I'm only a man. It'll be something we'll make sure we communicate that really well. Um, but j- I just want to be clear with everybody too, cause not everyone knows the process and we get a lot of confused people who pre-order oftentimes they're like, Hey, I pre-ordered like two, two and a half weeks ago. Where's my stuff? And they're like, okay, this is a pre-order. So we will pre-order this stuff, but this, the vinyl themselves will not be ordered from the warehouse, from the, from the factory until the record is done, obviously. So in like what ten weeks from now? Yeah, ten, it'll be ten weeks will, for the records is done and ship, shipped off the master to them. Yeah, right. So that's when we will actually ship it to the vinyl pressing company, and then from there, there's another eight to ten weeks of vinyl being pressed, and then they ship it to us, and then we ship it out. So it's a long process. Just so everyone knows, if you order a vinyl one week from now or on July fifteenth. You're not going to get the vinyl for several months. It'll be this year. It'll be in the fall. Yes. yes. It, it'll but be, I just want it'll everyone to know and understand. Yeah. In the meantime, we'll put up these these videos and share some of the stuff here. And uh, in Emeryland, you'll have the recordings as we go, of course. Yes. Yes. So anybody that wants to join Emeryland, which is a good time to say that, if you join Emeryland, it supports all the stuff that we do. So we like we did these songs this week. Uh, we got another one to show you, which we'll talk about in a little bit too. Uh, and we're just working on music as much as we can and as hard as we can. And I just don't know how to say it. It's just like, I'm just so happy. We just make music and we work on it and it's funded and it's more pure than it's ever been. And that like, I'm going to work on music a bunch next week and the next week and the next week I'll be wrestling a mix (laughs) or fighting a guitar tone. And I, I just, the opportunity to do that is so great. But Emeryland is what helps us do that. So we're just loading that up with a bunch of assets, man. We're making songs every week that they get the files for. I'm going to release all the Pro Tools sessions, stems, anything anybody wants you can have uh, in there. So we'll have dozens and dozens of songs, EPs. They got a Christmas EP last year. So there's lots of stuff that's not just a full-length albums that the members of Emeryland have. And we'll give you these only a man songs as we go. So you'll be, you'll have the masters yep. as we go and then we'll give you the updated. And then one day you'll have a vinyl and we'll celebrate on, on that day too. But that's the basically yep. our process and, and where we're at for now. So thanks again for, for making it that way that we've got this configuration is good. But one thing that's going to be um, really cool about this whole process to me is um, as we kind of go through it, I mean, when you write a full album, Generally, you only play a few songs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't ever get I mean, to play them. I, I'm only a man. We, I mean, that's probably one of the albums that we play more songs mm-hmm. than we, some, right? Yeah, probably played half and of them. Live, several at least. albums that we played. I mean, there's several songs off this album that we play live, and we have for a long time. Um, and I mean, our goal before COVID was we were going to do I'm and I'm only a man tour. Yeah, sorry, and do the whole thing, and so that's kind of. On the back burner, so we'll see where that ends up, depending on everything. But so I'm excited because we get to play some songs on here that I have almost forgotten. Mm-hmm. You get <laughs> you know to relearn I mean? them; it's fun. Yeah, I mean, you you relearn them, and it comes back so fast. World I mean, Away next week, I'm excited oh. about. I get to put my head in that space starting tonight. Well, tonight I clear my mind, and then tomorrow 
I'll start yep. absorbing that song, and then we'll be here next Sunday. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it doesn't seem that wild. Like if you were in a studio focusing on your record, mm-hmm. it's not that crazy that you record one song a week, right? Ultimately, you'd probably record multiple songs. Yeah, a week, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you could, but I mean, under those circumstances, yeah. But literally, <laughs> we're home doing one hundred other things. Oh yeah. With our kids and other podcast stuff, and I'm shipping constantly every day. And then we come down to our basements and we say, okay, for the next couple hours, this is my time. I'm doing music. I'm figuring this out. And so it's It's just a real discipline, though. But like that, the the discipline thing about it is my favorite part. And I never had that before. I feel like the way comedy is or jazz is, it's like you have to go be present and do it. And it's a discipline. You have to make time. And you go do it, and then it's re- it's rewarding, and there's oh, you, yeah. there's nowhere to hide, and it's a pra- it's like a practice, you know, uh-huh. it's like developing a practice of outputting music, and it's just been different, and I you know that's kind of what where it is. Well, I remember when uh, we were first kind of very starting... hard to get to to make yeah. the time, and then so rewarding when you're able to do it. Well, and I'll say this for you, Matt. I mean, you've in, you've increased the speed at which you finish parts and songs tremendously I, I would say over the past six months yeah that's been my goal right? i mean that's my goal, goal is, right? is to not do things from the bottom up version of every de- focus on every detail because i like the details i've always been obsessed right. with all the details how i learn music is just analytically fundamentally for what makes a chord i mean i hear all th- i hear right. every note yeah. in every chord i hear four notes in every chord and then there's texture there's everything is in this Everything for me is in these layers of analysis, but I'm trying to right. let all of that go and just look at it from the top down and ask what yeah. is it and how can I achieve it? And then whatever it yep. is, that it, it'll be that, you know. So it's totally reversal, but it's taken me some speed to get to, but it allows so much more collaboration and mm-hmm. it just allows a lot more to to possibly happen, which is exciting. So it's and we're going to we're then I, I'm excited to see how that actually plays out in a mentality of making newer and newer music. So this is all just building what I'd call our machine. I read a book by a guy named Ray Dalio who talks about how to, it's basically just how to think uh, is the way I, I take his book, but it's called Principles is the name of his book. But he says that his company, which is like a financial company or something, he, he thinks of everything as a machine that you work on. So I, I flipped it and say, and said we record ourselves to thinking we have a way we record that is a like a machine, like an industrial machine, and we all work on the machine and tweak it and tune it, and it has inputs and outputs, and we focus on it, and how can we build it? And part of it is the feedback mechanism and the interrelated stuff we're doing here. The rec- all the recording sessions live in the cloud and people work on them directly instead of sending files. So all those are decisions of trying to turn our recording factory into this external thing that we are able to just input things and then the output is. And doesn't, you know, maybe somebody gets in and mixes or whatever it is. It's just we have a goal of the song and a time limit and constraints, and then we work hard to produce the outputs. So it's kind of philosophical right. shift, but it's really yeah. it's fun. But it takes and away was, all those hours of just micro-picking right. at everything, because you could do it forever. Oh, yeah. You know? And I would say that adding Chris to our band was a big part of that, too. Mm-hmm. Because, and so, and I've seen people kind of asking this, you know, throughout, because it's a little confusing, 
who Chris is, what he does and all that. Chris is a big part of what we do. He records a ton of stuff. He plays guitar. He plays bass. He does lots of stuff for us. But he is a tremendous musician, specifically bass player, way better than Toby and I. Toby and I are filler bass players. We do fine jobs. We're good enough to play live. We do a pretty good job. But we're not anywhere near what Matt and Chris are as far as guitar and bass players. So we are totally 100% fine with those guys covering all that stuff throughout recordings that I have no, no pride at all about that. I let that go a long time ago. So he does, he basically plays bass for the most part now on all our recordings. I think Matt was doing it before and then Chris kind of took it over. So that's pretty much what he does. And then live he plays guitar with us, but Chris is that way you send him, you can send Chris an idea uh, on, in the morning and he'll send you a pretty full formed demo almost qual- recording quality idea that night yeah he does you know what i mean quick. like he's fast so that's what that's been like wow we can really achieve high quality stuff quickly yeah it's just you so sound like you motivation. sound it's not like what do i want to try to sound like and figure right. out how to make that it's like how do i sound in this situation and yeah. then magic can happen yeah kind of from there but chris is terrific he plays right. and saves the day his band's surrogate yep. um and he plays with us too so Toby didn't really get to take the reflective journey of the I'm only a man. He's no, been stressed sorry, out man. constantly for the last 45 minutes. Can I at least do my, well, I was going to, I was going to try and at least do my, uh, five second interview. That let's I try, did let's try to you do can try it. it. Give it a shot. All right. Can you make me full screen? Yep. If it goes out, fuck it, but let's give it a shot. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm going to try and do my five. This is my five second interview with under oath. It was from the news. Under oath. Yeah. All right. Five second. Interview. Hey, fellas, Spencer, Aaron, glad you guys are here. Let's get right to it. How have things been going since the new record came out? If I was still a Christian, I'd probably be dead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> five, five second interviews with Toby Morrell, right? Ooh, that's, uh, good. Damn Man, that's good. My that God. Good. I mean, I'm here now. I'm glad, I don't know. You, I, we're I, glad you're back. I can try to do some news if you want me to, but I don't. You think it's going to go away? I don't know. We don't know, man. I mean, we've been well, on for a while, so maybe we just maybe let's save the news. It's gone. Well, I knew it. Gone. You pulled it off, though. You got the five <laughs> second <it>. interview. <laughs> you got the five All right, second, yeah, the, the news is gone. Well, one <laughs> yeah. of my newses was really cool. It was going to be about uh, Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and his girlfriend, who is. An older lady, like you think, Keanu Reeves just handsome, unbelievable. It was, it was, it was kind of cool, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I won't do this one next week, but I wanted to ask y'all: Can you name? I mean, everybody always shits on Keanu Reeves, right? Just like they're shitting on me and my internet access tonight. Yeah, but can you name ten Keanu Reeves movies? Uh, for sure, for sure. You mean? To, I mean, I, maybe I can't rattle them all, but sure. I mean, Devin here can sit here and all do right, that. Let's just try. That's what I was going right. to say. Okay, Bill and Ted one and two. Bill and Ted one and no, two. No, you can't do one. And <laughs> Matrix one, two, and three. Like John Wick, one, I got two, five. Three. I got John okay, Wick three. Okay, almost. Yeah, that's eight. Okay. Okay. No let's, let's just try individual. So Bill and Ted. Yep. Point Break. Yep. Matrix. Yes. The Gift. The Gift. Oh, that's a that's a good movie. John Wick. John Wick. That's five. What's the walk among the clouds? What's that one called? Yeah, oh, walk in the clouds. Where he makes wine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's only well, six, huh? That's six. Hmm. 
Hold on a second. Uh oh. Don't There's look got, it up. There's Don't put it in more. the chat. You had to exhaust There's it. So many good ones. Don't look at the chat. Oh. All right. You may oh, you want to speed. Hit? Speed. Speed. Oh, speed. Yeah. You got to know speed. One. That's six. That's Think seven. Think about the one. He's a football seven. player. Oh. Replacements. They're replacements. Yeah. That's eight. That's, mm-hmm. is that, yeah, that's eight. Give us another yeah. hint. Uh, um, what about one where he has to go against Satan? <laughs> oh, yeah. Devil's Advocate. Devil's oh. Advocate. That's such a good movie. There's mm-hmm. another one. Um, yep. It's like on a, on a lake or something. Yep. What's that You're one? Right. Co- on a lake, lake house? Lake house? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm it's serious. Like <laughs> it's something like that. I don't remember what it's about, but I, oh, Constantine. Constantine! I saw that sick. one in the chat. You though. know who's the my favorite in Constantine is Gavin Ross. Oh yeah, he plays a oh, demon yeah. or something, and he's great. That is harder than you think. You think you could come up with ten pretty easy, but it's yeah, harder. He was in one that I I loved this movie. This is classic. I think it. Let's see when it was it. Nineteen ninety six. This is classic. Chain reaction. Oh, chain you remember reaction. That? I remember Morgan Freeman yeah. yeah. like it was like this nuclear yeah. bomb went off or something. They were making this nuclear fission thing. Was that uh, one speed? Hawk? No. It was uh, Morgan Freeman and Keanu. I said Point Break, oh, of course. Right, right. Said now, one, I'm telling you, this movie is phenomenal. And it had Steve Martin in it. And Keanu? Yeah. I don't know what it is. Parenthood. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh Keanu's in Parenthood, the original Parenthood it, movie. That's right. So That's good. That movie That's is fun. so good. He was in River's Edge. Um, and I was going to show it tonight. He was in uh, uh Paula Abdul video. Rush, rush. <laughs> don't do anything. I was going to play that tonight for my damn news. But I mean, I, The Lake House, Devin. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the Day the Earth Stood Still. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember that one. Oh, that was that um, Johnny Mnemonic. alien movie, yep. right? Oh, Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, so good. Um, I was trying to look at the other. Now, also, one that y'all didn't say. Was he was in really cool. one of those, that weird animated movie? Half animated, weird, what was that weird yeah. ass thing? Oh, yeah, what was that? Um, that, it yeah. was. I didn't like the vibe of it. <sighs> I'm what trying was that to. Movie? It was half Scanner Darkly. Scanner Darkly. Scanner yep. Darkly. Yep. Yeah. He was also in Toy Story 4. <laughs> Which voice was he? He was the motorcycle guy in Toy Story oh, 4. Oh, that's that funny. Do, you know what I mean? The guy that from Canada or whatever. Yep. So, and he's going to be in Matrix Four and Bill and Ted's new movie that's coming out. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, he's pretty great. He's pretty good. He picks great movies. And then go ahead and just say your top one. Well, you can't. There's no way you can't even go top, can you? What's top three? Okay, you can say which movie's he in that's the best movie, and which movie's he in that you think you like him. He's great in. So, Point Break. And Matrix is the best, like most important, best movie that oh, could yeah. ever matter. But Point Break, come on, the best application of Keanu. I watched it the Maybe. last day, but I'm telling you, him in The Gift is a bad guy. Oh, yeah. So, oh, Johnny Barksdale. Yeah, that's the best. Keanu never plays a bad guy. He does in that you know movie. I mean? No. I know, in that movie, yeah, Donnie Barksdale. Donnie Barksdale, he's, Barksdale, man, he's, just, he's a, amazing. just an awful person. And, yeah, so, anyway. The damn news. Thank you, Toby. You made it <laughs> yeah, through. Well, we did good. it. That was good. You missed the whole you know, meat of the interview. We had Devin on, so that was really good. Um, okay, we have another song that yeah. also has some interesting stuff to it. Yes, it does. Uh, so not only did we do what that this week, we did a whole nother full production song, including drums, this week, and it is a custom song. So yep. cu- custom songs is something we started dabbling in a long time ago. 
Uh, I think the earliest custom songs we did is we did a batch of custom songs for the Matt and Toby first record the, to the crowdfund of that. And we did yep. 12 songs where we wrote them. And this is back in, I don't know what year that was, 2010 or something. 2012. 2012. Um, we've been doing it that long. The concept of it is, you know, one, that's one of our things, Devin and Toby's thing, that I'm trying, I'm finally coming up to the party with doing things quickly and yes, be able to are. have, you know, more high creative output. And uh, Devin and Toby have always been able to write songs quickly that are good. So we thought if we didn't have to make full recordings, could we make songs quickly that are good and then we could make them for fans and stuff like that and raise money. So we've kind of been doing that on and off in different situations ever since, and it's become more and more of an art form and more and more rewarding. Um, so we've been doing that lately. Uh, we do them from acoustic, and we've been even doing it to where we have uh, full production songs that are available. They're more expensive, yeah. of course, but it, we we do it to where if somebody – it's $1,000 for a song, which is pretty cheap given that our songs used to cost $3,000 just to mix – you know, I'm only right. a man. If you think about it, let's let's do the math on it that way. If we spend a hundred thousand dollars, we spend a hundred thousand dollars to make "I'm Only a Man," which means the party song itself costs ten thousand dollars to make. Oh, we God. made it for free this week. Oh, <laughs> it's <is> better. <laughs> you know, so the the mix alone on the party song was three thousand dollars. Is my point. Anyway, right. Uh, so we make songs now we figure we can get it all done uh in the same quality that we can a full recording and we're doing it at the thousand dollars which maybe it'll have to go up eventually but i mean that's a pretty good deal because we're really putting everything into the song and making it as good as we could in the same fashion and the lyrics are something we customize based on the the person and who it's for so my what i get a huge kick out of it out of doing this is uh, we're going to get to reveal one of those songs this week, and it's for a person named Johanna. So technically, it ain't for anybody else, but she's been nice enough to let us share this song because it turned out so good. Now, Johanna is a jogger. She likes to exercise. And so this song was written with that in mind with an audience of one. So at every point when we're putting this song together and thinking about it, it has a purpose. It is for her to listen to. It belongs to her. It's yep. her intellectual property that she owns. She could sell it. She can do whatever she wants with it. Um, and I wanted to say too, that, uh, with these songs, these custom songs, people want, they, they actually send in what they want the song to be about. They give yep. some details. Sometimes people don't give any details. They're just like, Hey, I trust you guys. You're awesome. But like this song, they wanted to talk about <laughs> some of the uh, you know, the animals that they have, uh, they wanted to be about, uh, best friends and beaches and, yeah. uh, some of the stuff. So it's, it's really fun for me when I sit down to write a, some lyrics, when I have a, uh, I guess a little bit of a framework of what somebody wants, and then I can put it into an Emory song that, that actually is really fun because I mean, yeah. when you talk about best friends and beaches, Emory, we always talk about, you know, how, our relationship with God and how, how good or horrific it is or, you know, relationships and all this stuff. When you write about best friends and beaches, it opens up a whole new pathway for you to write these lyrics. And so that's why I thought this was really fun. Like I get to put in, I get to use words. I get to use phrases that I wouldn't, that I don't normally get to use. And it's awesome because it's not about Toby. It's about the people that are getting this song and, that, and it's really fun. So I did, a, I did a Skype call with Johanna to talk to her and get to know her personality a little bit yeah. and what how she was thinking about it, just so I could make sure, because it's an audience of one, which is so freeing. I know it's other people are going to hear the song in a second, but so freeing to know 
this is who it's for. Go for right. it. Um, right. And then right. to get to talk to her and make that connection is is kind of a really neat for me, too, because I know I'm producing a song with these musicians, with this recording machine for this person. So it's so tangible and, and wonderful. So, Johanna, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity. So I went down with Dave last week, uh, and we went down to the studio, and I, I had the demo. Devin wrote the demo, which we could give. We should give that to Johanna, too. The, so Devin made a demo, and I didn't listen to it before we got down there, or I listened to it once over to get the vibe. I met Dave there, and me and Dave spent three or four hours at the studio talking getting in the mood, listened to the demo, rearranged it yeah. some, you know, got Dave down there and let him play through it a bunch of times. Uh, I jammed with him a little bit. We talked through it until it started to form and feel good. And then uh, we just track, you know, track it right there. Once we've got it and get a good solid take from Dave, uh, and I brought it home, worked on it a little bit more, and I sent it to Chris Keen, and I said, Chris, you got, you know, I said, I said, Monday, I'm going to have a track for you. So Monday I got him the song. I said, you're going to play bass on it, and if the guitar ideas are coming, if there's anything feeling here, take Devin's demo here. Uh, here's the drum tracks. Here's how we've arranged it. Here's the dynamics. We drew out a map. We did all this work on it. And I gave Chris the vibe and explained to him who it was for. That was for jogging and up-tempo, you know, everything about it, and said, just see what comes out in a few hours, and then I'll take it from there and do some guitar or bass or whatever it is. There's no, there's no rules to it, but I give Chris a crack and see if something pops out of his mind. And he fucking nailed it. Unbelievable. He sent it to <laughs> me that day. I was like, yeah. You know, I said, I said, he said, you really like it? I said, yeah, but you knew I would like it. You knew how good this was when you did it because you could hear it in the play-in that it's inspired. I was like, you, right. I said, I know you like it too. You know this is good stuff because it's just a custom song and oh, you just got to do it. But no, it when you get into it and give this opportunity, this was a magical one, you know, and we do, we, we haven't done that many full production ones. And at this point to be able to do that and it was so inspiring to get to work on <clears throat> the rest of the way right. through. So we've been doing that one, thought it was worth sharing. Uh, and I got to say again, thank you to Johanna for letting us share it. So we get to premiere it. And just like the others, we did real videos for these. So we made video. I, I got J Dave's drum take and everything. I didn't know we were going to do this at the time. I just had my phone and thought I'd get Dave's drum take. And then we thought, why don't we just do it on the show this week? thought it would be a good idea. So yep. uh, what other notes do you have on this song? Anything else to listen think, for that you I think like? Johanna's actually on the chat. So that's pretty cool. Oh, nice. Great. Thank you. Again. So thanks for being here and watching. Uh, we internet's better than mine. We, uh, I sent, I sent her and her husband the the thing in like nine seconds. Like we, got, I ma mastered it, sent it over to Reva, uh, who's who's putting the videos together, and she synced it up. I sent it to them and hit send right before I hit broadcast here, just so we got it to yep. them. I wanted to get it to them yesterday, but we, you know, we mi mixed it today and added a thing or two and ma made the last mix, mastered it, boom. Put it in, Reva knocks yes. it out of the park, and now we have a whole nother completed full production Emory song two this week, and I'm thrilled about both of them. This one's got a, uh, a, uh, this one's very energetic, and she said she wasn't into tons of screaming, but she liked an upbeat song, and this has got a little bit of a punk and pop aggressive. It sits just right in a great spot, but it's a lot of fun. It's a song we wouldn't have gotten yep. to write or spend time with otherwise. So here we go. And it's inspired, the lyrics are inspired about her, you know, her real life and stuff. Hope she gets a lot out of that. But here it is. I've got this. 
Isn't that some? You didn't think you'd be doing a high energy song like that a couple weeks ago, and there it is. I, wasn't I even know. on the radar, and now it exists. It's out there, but only one person. Great. I'm not. We're not going to put that out any other way, no. no, other than the stream. And it'll be if we put it out in a podcast feed, we may show it. But there's no play that won't be on YouTube. It won't be. It won't be anywhere. That that belongs to one yep. person and one person only in the world. And I am thrilled to make it for that reason. But thank you, Johanna, again, for yes, letting us share it in this special circumstance. Well, it's really cool, too, because uh, Chris Vaughn is on the chat right now, and uh, his wife, Alicia, bought him a song that we're working on right now, too, Ooh. a full production song. So we should have that done in the next week or so. Excellent. So that's cool, man. Hey, this is Zach from the BC Club, and you've heard it before, and now it's time to hear it again. This month, it's free to join the club and see what you've been missing all this time that you've been listening. 
The BC Club has so many smaller communities within it that I find value. For example, we have a video game subgroup, and yesterday I was playing Xbox with a few club members, including the club hottie Tyler Hoagland. And if you don't know who that is, well, you have no one to blame but yourself because it's fucking free to join the club. Seriously, I've made so many friends in the club. Uh, We're planning a BC cabin meetup later this year, and I hope to have some of these friends around for the rest of my life. So join the club during this free month, and we promise not to haze you too badly. After all, this has got to be the worst example of a Christian community. That's 
for sure.